Greetings and welcome to the Pure Report. I'm your host, Rob Ludeman, and it is time to bring the orange yet again. Today's guest is our Flashblade Director of Marketing, Gabriel Chapman. Welcome to the program. Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me on board. Been, no? been chomping at the bit to get on this. I am absolutely aware of that. You've been on the list uh, since day one that you joined Pure a little while back. How long have you been on board so far? So I joined in December, uh, mid-December of 2019. Uh, that puts me probably close to the, uh, well, in, interestingly enough, you know, I joined and then everybody, you know, was on Christmas vacation and I came back and then we had all this stuff going on and, uh, and then we went on lockdown. So, you know, it's been um, a good, good four and a half months, five months now. Yeah, really you loving an, it. You hit an interesting time there. Yeah. With the Christmas <laughs> break, with our sales kickoff, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, we're kind of sheltering in place and working from home, but it's, it's great. We've got technologies like this where we can still get you on the pod and find out all the interesting things that are going on in the world of Flashblade. Certainly. Most certainly. Um, it's, what's, how did you navigate? I'm, I'm, I'm always interested in, we've, we've chatted before you actually started out in the military. You actually have a Navy background <laughs> and I'm always yeah. curious how you kind of navigate from Navy to the world of storage and data. How does, how does that work? Yeah, I can give you the cliff notes version. I mean, I was, uh, Navy family to some extent. My grandparents were, you know, my grandfather was in World War II in the Navy. Uh, I had another grandfather who is what we call a beach jumper, which is kind of a predates UDT in the SEALs. And um, I, I legitimately joined what was called Sea Cadets when I was 13 and went to boot camp in um, Great Lakes, Illinois and did four weeks of boot camp as a kid. And, uh, you know, we did this, it's kind of like ROTC for the Navy, right? Yeah, and so, yeah. um, Joined the Navy when I was 17, got an early, you know, an early admission, parents signed a waiver. I kind of always knew that I was going to go to the Navy. And then I went into what we call the dive fair program. Um, and this was right before two things happened. One, the movie Navy SEALs came out oh, remember <laughs> with that Charlie one? Sheen. Yeah, right. And second, we ended up going to war in uh in the gulf and that, the, the precursor to that is i joined the navy in uh, august of 20 august 20th of 1990 and um i spent six years in i went into what to, to naval special warfare i was a combat medic so a, what's called a hospital corpsman and um you know i spent six years running around the world i didn't make it through seal training just like uh you know the 130 people in my class only 13 did uh but it was a great experience and i ended up doing what we call um fleet medical uh, fleet marine force so that's i spent three years with the marines and three years with the essentially the navy and ran around the planet doing some fun stuff um but i got out and and, and the interesting thing was is when you get out of the navy uh, you know they have some job prep stuff and and i realized that my medical skills essentially uh qualified me to basically empty bed pants and <laughs> Believe it or not, I, I had play. You know, I, I started out with computers. I had a VIC twenty. You know, I, I went to the Commodore sixty four. Um, you know, I played around with computers pretty much most of my life, but never like for work. And I just answered an ad for tech support <laughs> in the paper. Quite so, right? Yeah. For a for a bulk mail software company in San Clemente, California, and I, you know, I'd gotten out of the Navy. I stayed in, in SoCal, and went and interviewed with a guy, and he was like, "Hey." Um, you don't have any skills relevant to this job, but you were in the Navy and he was an old Navy guy too. He's like, you know, I'll give you a shot. And so he gave me a box of parts and said, build your own computer. If you can build it, turn it on and it powers up, then I'll let you start do tech support. And uh, that's what happened. I built a PC 
and I went and hit the button. It didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and he came by and he looked at me and he goes, everything looks great, except you didn't connect the power supply. And so, you know, that was my entrance into uh, technology. I got hired on and it was 1996 and it was the start of, you know, the, the big dot-com boom was coming on and I did tech support jobs. Uh, I worked there for like 11 months and then I just kind of worked my way up into network administration and storage and virtualization technologies. So I was an end user for like 15 years. And um, you know, my last quote unquote real job was about seven years with Toshiba uh, in Southern California. Uh, I got approached by one of my vendors said, hey, do you like working in this room all day? And I'm like, some days, I do some days I don't. It's like, well, yeah, why, yeah. you seem intelligent. Why don't you come and do sales engineering? And uh, that, that led me into SE world. So I, I had a job at Emulex as an SE. Then I got recruited by SimpliVity, which was early hyperconverged days. Spent some time there, went to Cisco, worked on storage technologies there, went to um, Solid Fire, where a lot of my friends worked. And it was like a really great experience in still early startup days and got acquired by NetApp. Spent three plus years at NetApp. Uh, and then I took a detour into the strange where I became an analyst for a year with Gartner. <laughs> yeah, I saw uh, that on your background. That's an interesting blip, right? Yeah, well, you know, it was interesting. So it's like, now I can say I've like, I've made the sausage, I've sold the sausage, and then I've like written about the sausage or something of that nature. Um, you know, but it was, it was interesting where, so I, I spent like a year working in data protection there and it's just great company. I love the people I work with, but it just wasn't the kind of, it wasn't the rewarding work that I was looking for. And I wanted to get back to the product side and, you know, I, I'd known Vaughn for years. I know, you know, a bunch of people over here for a long time. And, you know, I think it flirted with coming to pure and finally pulled the trigger and here I am. And, um, I'm excited to be here because it's at a very interesting time in the company's history. You know, we're brought in out to a portfolio set of technologies. I'd seen Flashblade for, you know, when I originally saw Flashblade launch, I'm like, gosh, you know, that's really interesting. I don't think anybody has really kind of put the use case and the potential together quite yet. And I still see it as like kind of like one of the most amazing storage products that, you know, isn't a household name quite yet. And I guess that's what my job here is to do is to yeah. make it a household name. That's what you're on board here to do is right to, to take those use cases. Cause I, you know, I think we hear very similar things when we get analysts or we get actual users that get their hands on the technology and they go, Whoa, this is, you know, here's the things you said about it. And it's actually true. Like it, it actually is scalable. It is parallelized it. You know, it handles these really challenging workloads that we go and, and kind of throw at it. I, I think one of the foundational places that's been interesting for Flashplay is just in the rapid restore space. I mean, that's been one of the, kind of one of the key use cases for what it does there and how it integrates with our third party partners. But uh, you see that still being a, a strong place for us. Yeah. Oh, huge. I mean, you know, if, if you look, if you go talk to the analysts, a lot of them will tell you that, you know, most enterprises will triple, if not exceed, uh, tr you know, triple of their unstructured data um, stored as file or objects from what they have today. You know, in just in a short five-year period, we see massive increase in the use of what we, you know, what was traditionally leveraged as hybrid cloud storage architectures. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, obviously on-prem unstructured data deployments will probably, you know, make the larger shift away from traditional spinning disk, the quote unquote cheap and deep that object is known for towards all flash. Yeah. And, you know, it, we have the concept of, you know, fast file and fast object. If, if we really look at what Flashblade is and how it addresses those spaces, it's a high performance cloud optimized file and object platform for modern data. And especially in, you know, it's interesting. I think initially somebody looks at a flashblade and goes, hey, there's a great backup device. 
and I wouldn't call it a backup device. I think it's got a lot more utility than that. But when we start to look at the costs associated with, you know, unplanned downtime, yeah. you know, it can, it can be significant, you know, depending on, you know, anywhere from a couple, you know, maybe $5,000 an hour to 20 or $30,000 an hour. And if you have, you know, most systems can do 10, 20, you know, 100, 500 virtual machines restored pro relatively easily. But what happens when you have a thousand or 5,000? What happens when you have a, you know, instead of 10 terabytes, you have a hundred or a petabyte of data you need to recover quickly. And the kind of performance characteristics that we can deliver with a flash blade in order to restore data, you know, rapidly is significant. You know, and then there's a significant cost savings involved there too. That you know, if you want to do the TCO math, actually tells a very compelling story. So, it's not so much being able to back up my data. I think most people are comfortable with how they back up the data. It's how right. do I get that time to value in the recovery point objective and the recovery time objective, and accelerating that and not sitting around for two or three weeks while your data rehydrates. It's yeah. more like let's sit around for two or three hours instead. Right. I think you make a really good point there, though, that it's not, uh, you know, it's not an appliance, right? And and I, I don't want, you know, it's I don't like sh when FlashBlade gets shoehorned in as, you know, just a rapid restore or just a recovery type of thing, because there are purpose-built backup appliances that are out there, and that's all they do, and that's fine if that's all yeah. you want to do. But I think one of the one of the really great things, and and you know, a lot of this is what our customers have told us, and and also kind of what we go out with, but you know, as they go, look, this this is not a purpose-built thing. This this has versatility to attack, um, you know, other workloads. You know, we're looking at the rise of kind right. of log analytics coming out, and there's all these, you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning things with, you know, self-driving cars or, you know, the EDA market, right, where you're doing, you know, you're, you're, you're simulating chip designs. Those are all things that can run on the same platform without limitation, right? It's, it's very versatile. No, most certainly. I mean, we, we call that the data hub. And, yeah. and, and the reality behind that is that, you know, if you look at point solutions, they're great for certain things. I think there's a lot, certainly definitely a place for that. But I think a lot of people, you know, I mean, the cloud is not going away. Um, people love the concept of cloud characteristics or cloud dynamics from a consumption standpoint. And if we look at that, you know, they put a lot of different varied data on the same common platform. And if you want to kind of deliver that, you know, you know, if you're looking to deliver real-time insights from data and you want to enable agility, elasticity, and efficiency, all with cloud consumption or cloud-like consumption characteristics, this is a platform that can do that. Like if you're building, you know, cloud-native applications, I think, you know, especially like in, say, the AI and ML pipeline world, I think a lot of experiments are done in the public cloud, but organizations would love to be able to do that stuff on-prem. Mm -hmm. And the reality is they haven't had a really good high-performance fast file or fast object platform that's, you know, that has both of those solutions as natively as a single platform that they can leverage on-prem. And that's, you know, that's where I'm driving or that's where we're looking to drive this as a product and technology. It is a, it has a significant amount of utility that you would liken to what you see from the big three or the big five. Yeah. Um, but you get to control it yourself, you get to secure it yourself, and you get to expand its its use case and potential across a lot of different uh, use cases within the data center, especially when it comes to this massive onslaught of unstructured data that exists out there. Yeah, yeah, and, that, and we know that's the one that's accelerating 40 to 50% that's creating the, you know, the structured data, you know, tends to be a little bit more controllable. I mean, it's growing 20, 25% per year, sure. but when you look at the, the acceleration or even the exponential nature of, 
you know, of unstructured and how do you go off and handle that? And that in many cases, it's somewhat, you know, immature. I think, you know, there's a high percentage, like 80 or 90% of enterprises that are kind of stuck in the first couple phases of, you know, how do you do data analytics? And really to get to that mature model, stage four, stage five, you've got to break down the data silos that have been created over time and maybe, you know, legacy technologies that are holding you back. Well, yeah, and I think smashing silos is, is a common phrase that you see in the sure. industry. But but the reality is, is I mean, the, the larger shift towards, the, you know, the generalist or the simplification or the millennialization of the data center um, <laughs> is, is requiring organizations to build simpler and more easy to drive solutions. I mean, the yeah. days of having 40,000 permutational changes for your storage platform you know, uh, are long gone. And, and I'm fond of saying that there's no book called The Joy of Menial Tasks. And there are so many of them in the storage world. I mean, I, I can go back to my early days with all kinds of different products that I used back in, you know, 2004, 2005, and how difficult it was to create just a volume, you know, it's 130 yeah. Yeah. mouse clicks, who wants to do that? <laughs> the meme is, ain't nobody got time for that, right? No, um, no. <laughs> but you know, I mean, and I see this in our customer base today, where we have, you know, a couple customers where it's like, there's one guy that runs their entire object platform uh it's you know multiple multiple petabytes yeah. and you know that's and, and you can cross train anybody to do that like if i can simplify it down to you know here, here's how much data i need here's how fast i need it to perform and i and who needs to access it and i can solve for those three problems then i've i've solved the data problem with inside the organization you free up people to be more efficient and more effective with their time and dedicate those towards the things that are, aren't just keeping the lights on but that are you know contributing towards revenue yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, we mentioned a bunch of different areas. Are there any other areas that, that we're, we're seeing kind of interesting traction for this kind of hot spots? I mean, is it like a you know, log analytics Splunk thing? Yeah. You know, I, kind of the machine learning area? Like where, where are we seeing some of the real interests where, it, where we're solving those customer challenges in a dramatic way? Well, I think, you know, it's, you, you mentioned log analytics. So, you know, mm -hmm. you know, vert, you know we see Splunk and their transition to smart store, you know, there's cloud enabled architectures or cloud consumable architectures for their log analytics solutions, like say Splunk uh, or, or, you know, Elasticsearch. Um, we see that that shift there and there's kind of three characteristics that the customers are looking for. They're usually looking for performance. Mm -hmm. and, and we've seen that, you know, internally with FlashBlade testing that, you know, query performance can be ADX faster than, you know, other object storage platforms that out there or analytics architectures that are looking for the separation of compute and storage, um, you know, it's like uh, Eon mode with Vertica, right? Yeah. You know, we were the first, we were the first solution to ever provide the, the storage performance capacity and solution that would integrate with an Eon mode uh, use case for Vertica um, that, that allowed them to disaggregate compute from performance. You know, and, and the story behind that is that, you know, it's that one size fits all or that combination of those technologies together isn't always the most efficient, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, um, if, if you if you were to if you take a train for instance and, and I have a train that's going down the track and every time I added a new you know car container to, to store something or ship something I actually had to add an engine to it that would be like the most inefficient train ever known yeah. to man yeah. I want a really powerful engine but I also want the ability to pull a whole lot of cars along with it mm -hmm. and you know if I have to provide additional compute every time I need a few pieces of you know a terabyte of storage that can be an inefficient model that doesn't scale very well and our customers are looking for simplicity especially as they start to break into, you know, greater use of real-time analytics or modern analytics with things like Vertica or Splunk or Elastic. 
and and you know that's one area that we see a lot of growth and traction in. Uh, we still see a lot of growth and traction with you know the rapid restore technology as yeah. well as our ability to do what we call a safe mode snapshot. That's an immutable snapshot that allows customers to simply have a backup copy or a secondary copy of the data that is not alterable by anyone with inside the organization. And we kind of build into a into that through support this ability to kind of have a multi-factor authentication to restore that data. So you know you've seen ransomware get really sophisticated where now it's tackling it's attacking backup files. Right, it right. knows who the backup vendors are and it knows how to address them. And if you're able to put your data onto a flash blade and then do a safe mode snap, sure they can get to the primary data, but they can't get to that secondary piece of that copy. And so you can recover from that very rapidly. And I see that as a huge growth potential for the product and platform. You know, and then we get back to traditional AI and ML workloads where, you know, we still have the ARI platform that does very, very well for, you know, NVIDIA and our partnership with them, which is very strong around DGX one and two, and that packaged, you know, uh, infrastructure stack that allows customers to do that because I think you're still seeing customers go to the cloud for their initial model testing because it's cheaper to do so. But when they want to go into production at scale, that cost structure gets really uh, out, outside of the realm of, of of what their budgets are capable of. And so they're bringing that back on, on premises. And we see that, you know, maybe they started there and they got into a petabyte with say a Presto DB or something like that. And they're like, oh man, we're getting hammered for ingress egress charges. We're getting yeah. hammered for all the additional costs to store this stuff. And we're not meeting the performance needs that we need. So we will repatriate that data back into the data center. We will put it on a flash blade and we will spin up our AI and ML model testing here locally where we have more control over costs, uh, performance, and, and, and security. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic that we're seeing. And I think I, you know, I've done some other podcasts with some of the folks that manage the data that we pull in relative to Pure One. And I think you know, part of our discussion at one point was a similar, a similar learning you know, that happened a little while back, which was again around those, you know, those charges that came out. You know, they were doing things in the cloud and then all of a sudden uh, it just became more financially viable to to bring those things back on prem. So it's you know it's nice that we tested that out internally before rolling that that message out. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, we, and we certainly dog food a lot of our stuff. I mean, our oh, yeah. structure, yeah. you know, our our AI, you know, our own AI stuff internally leverages Flashblade technologies. Mm-hmm. Our you know our developers who are designing Flashblade use it as the platform that enables them to you know build their traditional you know, microservices pipelines or, you know, DevOps pipelines, et cetera. I mean, you know, EDA is one space that you mentioned as well that we see a lot of traction, but also for customers that are, you know, leveraging, the win reports I've seen recently on on customers that are leveraging Kubernetes and Flashblade have really started to prick up my ears because I think there's a lot of opportunity there. And if we look at a couple of our our customers that are doing a lot of AI work, uh, even some that are really focused on how how are they leveraging AI to address COVID even. we see some really complex, but also fascinating um, AI workflows that are leveraging the DevOps model to implement, uh, you know, their solutions to do, you know, rapid permutational changes or AI learning models, et cetera. It's, it's fascinating stuff. Um, 
to, to actually see, and it actually has real world repercussions and results. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It is really great. I mean, we featured some of those, you know, at our Accelerate conference in the past, where we actually had, you know, large research institutions or hospitals that were doing things that were kind of life changing. You know, cancer research and mm-hmm. you know programs like that, where you know the speed at which we can run simulations is actually helping to accelerate care and solutions for patients. Which again, I love. I love the you know the humanistic element of it that uh, that comes out of those kinds of use cases that we see. Yeah, for sure. Um, so shifting gears a little bit, because we have a little bit of an announcement to cover, and you alluded to this in a couple places with kind of the non-disruptive nature and you know some of the, the things that uh, data services can do. Um, we are actually you know launching a, a pretty significant release for um, for purity for the data services layer that um, you know that provides all the values and benefits that um, that you're talking about. Yes, it's a hardware platform, but when we dig under the covers. It's really the the investment and, and the features and the capabilities we pride in software. But um, you know, Purity three three what are the what are the areas that we're going to be improving upon, and and why is this a significant announcement? Why is it something that we're actually you know making a making a lot of noise around? Well, you know, realistically, I mean, you know, like any other product out there, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you know, every storage vendor comes out and talks about how they're 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 just a software vendor that packages and hardware. Um, yeah. You know, we've gone a little bit further than that. We actually engineer our hardware significantly, and I think if you look at it versus a traditional software-defined platform, um, there are a lot of advantages to doing so. Right? You have more consistency, more control over what you're doing at the hardware layer. It allows you to do a whole lot more freedom. And as much as I would love to say that software is eating the world and that hardware doesn't matter, the reality is, is it does. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've seen significant improvements in the platform as we've scaled it from a hardware perspective, but the, the dovetail of that or the, the cohort is the software piece. Yeah. And Purity 3.0 is the, is the third iteration of the Purity operating system that runs and powers FlashBlade and provides, you know, all of the software based goodness that really, you know, allows us to do the things that we do. Um, you know, there's a handful of different functions that we've introduced into Purity 3.0. I would say probably the, the, the two primary ones are what I call the killer feature is file and object replication. Um, that, that is bringing us into the model of not only being able to address a single location, but multiple locations. It also allows us to replicate to the cloud as well. So that's another big piece of it. So, you know, I can go out there and look at, you know, it opens up customers to address a more distributed model of computing, uh, bringing storage closer to the applications while also providing protection across, you know, uh, disparate uh, locations within inside the organization. You know, file replication is a critical part of a robust, you know, any kind of robust disaster recovery strategy. Yeah. You know, it's essential for most of the modern enterprise. And, you know, DR is a primary use case case, but it's also, you know, it's, it's one from a protection standpoint for your data within a given location to, to another location. So if you want to go from site A to site B, or you go flash to flash to cloud, you know, that opportunity is there. Um, object replication has similar benefits, uh, and we extend it through, you know, originally like kind of a cloud mobility. So, you know, replicating object data between two flash blades significantly is going to improve the experience from a geographically distributed set of users or customers uh, by providing, you know, these definitely lower latency access, uh, increasing read throughput. Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's a native format too. So we can go and replicate object data in native format from a flash blade to Amazon S3 to enable customers to, uh, you know, to leverage flash blades, fast object capabilities, uh, as well as cloud economics for archive. You know, you may want to put the data up there and then bring it down and, and leverage it at another point uh, where, you know, fast object and fast file 
you know, we don't see, we're not the cheap and deep, you know, and, and I don't, you know, we have to, we kind of set and charted our own path in terms of creating that market. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like, we're not your father's old, old mobile type of thing. Right. Um, you know, analogy is going to be lost to a lot of people that are not, <laughs> but you know, it's, it is one of these things where it really does bring maturity and momentum to the product and capabilities. Um, we've introduced files, you know, a file system rollback, uh, that's within there. There's security enhancements around, you know, uh, Kerberos. We have NFS metadata operations to enhance data collection. You know, we have centralized management with, you know, net groups, S3 fast copy, audit logs. I mean, and, you know, and, and, you know, significantly building and improving upon the platform that you would expect. There's the hardware components of it that we address. Yeah. You know, and periodically we have hardware releases that we address too. And we've seen it grow from 15 blades to 150. That's a tenfold increase in scalability in a very short period of time. At the same point, we're continuing to build momentum and maturity in a product that is, you know, leading the charge when it comes to high performance file and object storage on a unified platform. Yeah, well, good good summary there because I know you know when we talked about this previously and kind of looked there's there's so much in there right which is great which is a huge benefit to you know to the users and the and the potential prospects that are you know checking this out there's just a whole host of of you know robust features um, you know including some of the highlights that you gave so definitely worth uh, worth checking out if we if we had any uh, any any kind of beta testing or internal work on these just to you know kind of see yeah see I mean when we, they roll we, out. We announced 3.0 went GA back at sales kickoff in yeah. February. Uh, and since then we've had a significant rollout with our customer base. So we're continuing to gain feedback. It's more than just beta. I mean, this is GA customers yeah. are using it. Yeah. We just haven't uh, really announced it to the whole world. And so, you know, Customers are using it. We have some great quotes from customers that we'll probably be talking about here with the upcoming press release announcement uh, that are just, you know, ecstatic about the replication features and functionalities. Uh, I mean, ultimately, you know, we believe that a large number of our customers have been looking for fast object solution for their internal applications. Uh, and there's just not been many options out there that yeah. are enterprise class and come with the history that Pure has brought in relation to the flash storage market. Love it. Well, good summary. Where, uh, where, where do we want to send folks for more information? Obviously, we can go to purestorage.com slash flash blade, but, you know, specifically on the, on the purity highlights. You know, in the purity highlights, we have a complete package of solutions on Sales Central internally for customers and you know, for, or for our partners and our sales team to leverage. Um, you know, obviously, anybody can reach out to me as well. I can help point them in the right direction. Uh, look for blogs that are going to be coming out to talk about uh, the updates to purity, as well as more discussion and thought leadership around the fast object and fast file uh, technologies. Um, and obviously, you can always find me on Twitter and hound me down that way if you wanted. <laughs> Awesome. Well, um, great update. Loved hearing your perspectives, particularly someone new, but with a, a vast range of, of experience in industry, kind of, you know, hearing what you think about Flash Blade and uh, what it means for, for what, what, what people are trying to accomplish right now in, in a wide variety of spaces. Um, congrats on, on your four and a half-ish <laughs> Here and, yeah. and thrown right into the fire, right with with this uh, this launch and this announce. Um, so congrats on on that, and really love chatting with you, and hope we can uh, get you back here uh, again and maybe deep dive into one of these use cases. No, most certainly. I mean, I couldn't be more excited to be here at this particular point in time. Uh, I feel like Flashblade has you know it, it has billion dollar potential written all over it. Uh, yeah, it's up to us to basically build the case for that uh, within, you know, within Pure and with, uh, with our customers and with uh, the community at large. 
Outstanding. Well, thank you much. Um, again, we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap here. Thanks to Gabriel for coming on and sharing what's going on in his world with Flash Blade and the Purity 3.0 announce. And as always, thank you for listening. Thanks for telling a colleague. Uh, send in your feedback. We'll keep the episodes coming and bring on great guests like Gabriel in the future. With that, we'll go ahead and wrap for Pure Storage and Gabriel Chapman. This is Rob Ludeman saying don't look back. Something might be gaining on you.